Good morning, church family. Um, We are in the Gospel of Matthew. If you turn to chapter 9, we're following Jesus who's restoring all things. We're watching him restore. We're learning to work with him as he restores. And uh, this week we've just got a short little section of four verses. You, you, would, you wouldn't believe. I felt like there was four messages in four verses. These were so rich, these verses. So rich. But I came away with a message that's very different from what I expected. Uh, this happens irregularly. Uh, as I sit with the Lord, I go into a text thinking, I, I know what this is about, or I think I know what the Lord wants to say. And as I sit with him, I come away with a very different impression of what's on his heart. And I say that intentionally because I think that this morning he wants us to hear and to share in what's on his heart. So would you turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 9, starting I think at verse 35. And uh, before I begin to read, we're... Uh, Jesus and his disciples are in transition here, so we've been with them in Capernaum, which is on the north end of the Sea of Galilee, and it was kind of home base for them for a lot of their work. And we've watched Jesus do a number of restorative miracles as he's proclaiming the kingdom, and now he and the disciples are launching out. They're, they're starting more itinerant ministry, not from a home base, but town to town, village to village. And so we read... Jesus went through all the towns and villages, and that means in the Galilee area, teaching in their synagogues, preaching or proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out or thrust out workers into his harvest field. The word of God. So... Last week, to begin her message, Pastor Jalisa, you might remember, showed us this beautiful video of children either receiving sight or gaining much more clear vision as they had uh, glasses put on. And there was one particularly poignant moment where a mother was uh, on the sidewalk overcome with emotion as she watched her little boy run here and run there and touch things. And it just got me thinking about my own journey as a father. And how some of my most, I would say, like tender and yet vulnerable moments as a dad have come in in the context not of my children's joy, but of my children's pain. And I was thinking particularly of physical pain. We thank the Lord we haven't had super serious ones, but we've had a number of those play injuries where, you know, I, I can remember Matthew getting his hand stuck in a treadmill at grandma and grandpa's and you know a bunch of skin getting ripped off or falling on the face on the ice and the tooth goes through the lip or various things like that but I think one of the hardest ones for me was about nine years ago we were camping in Ontario 
and we're sitting, <clears throat> my, my brothers and sisters and parents and I are all sitting around coffee time at the campsite having our bodakuk and coffee and we're chatting and all of a sudden one of my nephews comes running up the drive, Uncle Dave, Peter went over his bike and he's really hurt and so I go run out toward him and as I'm running out, I see, and Sam, can you flip the side? This is the, I don't know if you can see clearly, but this is the after results. This is like a day and two days later. But his face was just, he had gone over the handlebars of the bike and landed on a gravel pave on his face. He shredded it. And so as he comes running in, just like it's all blood and it's all open. You know, it's not like uh, cut, but it's like skinned. My heart was just like, oh, broken, you know, and um, and not just for a moment, because, again, this wasn't like the kind you can really easily clean out and put a Band-Aid on, but it was open. And so you see the picture of him at night. Sam, can you go back to that for a minute? Um, I took that picture in the middle of the night because I was up through the night tending him and, you know, helping putting stuff on him and just just aroused all my compassion. And I thought about that incident this morning. I thought about the compassion that it arose in me when I thought about Jesus in this text because as Matthew describes Jesus going from town to town, village to village, he's proclaiming, he's healing, but at the center of it, Matthew says Jesus was deeply moved by compassion because of all of the suffering. It says He says the people were harassed and helpless. And that word harassed is an understatement. There's actually no way to translate it because it's a word picture. The word in the Greek is flayed. F-L-A-Y-E-D. Like having your skin torn open. That's a gruesome image, isn't it? Like when I think about skin being torn open and having that done to you, I think that only happens in contexts of torture. Nobody lets somebody else tear their skin open. That doesn't happen unless you're held down. And Matthew's saying that in Jesus' eyes, all of the people were so held down so tormented, it's like they were being flayed. It's like Matthew's saying, in other words, the devil has them so firmly in his grip, one way or another, that he's able to just pick apart their lives in the most painful of ways. He's breaking their hearts. He's destroying their bodies. He's ravaging their souls. And they're helpless. They can't stop him. They're like sheep that don't have a shepherd. They don't have somebody who's watching over them to protect them. To lead them away from the work of the devil. To lead them into green pastures, as it were. They don't have somebody. Their lives are just getting ravished. And the most amazing thing is that Jesus is moved by compassion. Because it's their fault. Their lives are getting torn open. They're in pain because of their own sinful choices. 
They've given the devil access. They've turned away from the Lord. They've followed other paths. They've wandered. They've partnered with other religions and other spirits and not walked God's path. They've directly rebelled against God. They've brought it on themselves. And Jesus' reaction is compassion. You know the word compassion literally means to suffer together with? So Jesus' reaction to all of their pain isn't shame on you. It isn't if you'd only listened. It's I see. I feel what you're going through. And even though it's your own fault, I hate it. And I'm going to do something about it. I'm here to lead you back to the Father. I'm here to bring restoration. And so Jesus does. He brings that restoration and He does it in two ways that are really powerful. The first one is He speaks it. He proclaims. He tells God's at work through me. I'm bringing a kingdom from heaven. And he does not just proclaim it, he acts it. So it says everyone who comes to him gets healing. And I want, I want to unpack two words in that first verse 35 that says, uh, where it describes how he heals everyone. This is what it's describing. He's healing every malady, every disease, sickness and infirmity. And every affliction that reduces a person's mental or moral strength. These words that Matthew uses are comprehensive descriptions of the things that we human beings experience that hurt, that harm, and that reduce our ability to live life as God intended it. And Matthew says, Jesus heals everyone of everything that they're dealing with. Beautiful. But he doesn't stop there. So the first thing is, he heals everyone, he restores, but then Jesus does the most interesting thing. In the middle of all that restoration, he turns to his disciples and he makes this observation to them. He says, disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm hearing him that first time, I might have been a little surprised. Jesus is looking on a mess. He's looking on human division. He's looking on human pain, confusion, anger. He's looking on an absolute mess. And he says, that is a harvest waiting to happen. That is a people that are primed for the restorative work of God. So in other words, he sees with different eyes than human eyes. We could look on a divided, painful, confused, angry world and have 
our own anger at it, our own resentment with it, our own judgment of it. Jesus looks at it and he says, this is a harvest of souls ready to be brought back to God and lives ready to be restored. And so, disciples, I'm going to tell you something. It's not going to happen unless there's more laborers. I'm not going to do it all on my own, he says. You've got a role to play, he says. We need more laborers, he says. More laborers are needed for bringing the harvest in, for bringing people back to God and bringing restoration to their lives. And so because more laborers are needed, I want you all to sign this checklist right now that you're going to be a laborer and I want you to, I want you to sign up to go, disciples. No. That's not what he says. What does he say? He says, because there's not enough laborers, I want you to pray earnestly is what the word means. Get oh my pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest will thrust out laborers into his harvest field. I've told this before. It's the same word that's used for kicking demons out. Ekbalo. Thrust them out. So he doesn't say sign this checklist and go. He says you start praying earnestly that the Lord, he's the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest field. He loves them. He's calling them. But I want you to ask him to send them out into the harvest field. Now, why does Jesus do that? Why does he tell them to start praying earnestly? I think for two reasons. One, because he's always looking for partners, for co-laborers. He's looking for people who will share his heart. And that leads to the second piece. You cannot and I cannot pray earnestly for something we don't care about. We cannot pray earnestly. We cannot obey Jesus and pray earnestly for something. If we, if we can't sustain that kind of prayer if we don't really care about it. And we all know this because we've all had a hundred good ideas in our lives of things that we thought, I should pray for this. And we put it on a list and it lasts a week or a month. But we can't sustain it. Because it's not really in our Our heart is not given over to it. And you know, because you've heard me be vulnerable about the journey with my father over this last year, that it has not been difficult for me to sustain earnest prayer for his healing. Because I desperately long, I'm surrendered to God's will, but I long for him to not pass into eternity yet. And so I can keep praying, I can sustain it earnestly. In order for anyone, Jesus' disciples, us today, to be able to share in Jesus' eyes, look at the world that Jesus, the way Jesus looks at it, and then obey Jesus and say, you know what, Lord? I do care. I, I do. It matters to me that people's lives are being ravaged. It matters to me that it's, it's like they're, they're, it's literally like they're being tortured. Like they, they're, they're unprotected. They're not in you. Their lives are open to the devil's work. And so they are confused and they are in pain and they are tormented and they are led astray. 
And they're on a path that leads eternally astray. And that matters to me, Jesus. And so I'm going to obey you, Lord, because I believe you don't, you don't give commands to do things that you don't intend to fulfill. And so I believe that when you tell me to pray for laborers for the harvest, that as I pray, you will send people out. You will raise them up. You will place new calls. You will change hearts. And so I'm going to join you, Lord. I'm going to join you. I'm going to keep praying. In order for you and I to do that, the first thing, the only thing that really matters is that our heart is filled with Jesus' heart. That we are ongoingly filled with His compassion for the suffering of the world around us. And so I feel like this morning the Lord is inviting us to offer Him our hearts afresh. It's so easy for me to look at the uh, Large portions of our nation spiraling into confusion and division, perversity, and to respond with anger or criticism. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But Jesus this week has been saying to me, and I believe he's saying to us, it's not that I'm not angry. It's that my, my, my anger translates in and is pervaded by love. And my love compels me. Compelled me to a cross and it compels me to ongoingly look at the suffering that sin causes and let that move you and me to pray and to act. And so I believe that that Jesus is this morning standing in front of us and saying, will you look with my eyes? Will you feel my compassion for people suffering? Will you allow my compassion to move you to pray earnestly? And I believe that he doesn't want a, he doesn't want a quick yes. Um, it's really easy for me or for us to give him a yes in a moment that lasts for a moment. And I believe the Lord's saying, I want it in, in a way that has joy beyond what you can imagine. I want to take you deeper into my heart, fill you with my compassion, move you to pray and work through you. But you've got to trust me with all your heart. Because you all know, we know what comes next. In, in the very next verse, G- Jesus now commissions these disciples with authority. And power, and he sends them out, right? And so there, there, there really is this dynamic at work in which we yield our heart afresh, and we're like saying, "Okay, you can send me to my neighbor. You can send me. To, you can send me here and there and anywhere." But we can't get ahead of ourselves. We can't start thinking about how's the Lord going to send me that's different, or how's He going to want to use me. I think this morning it's just, just give me your heart. And keep giving it to me. Give and keep giving. And let me fill you with my heart. Let me move you to pray. 
and watch what I will do. So we're going to sing a song of response to the Lord. Lord, you have my heart. But I, I sense to just leave a couple of minutes of prayer for us to engage individually with the Lord. And then Kayleen will lead us into singing that, that song together. Okay? Uh, let me lead us into prayer. Lord Jesus, I, I, I'm so thankful for your patience, Lord. Over and over you invite us to lay our lives down and promise that as they're buried like seeds in the ground, that great harvest will come forth. And it seems like there are these regular intervals in our life where you again say, now will you trust me and, and lay this portion or part of your life down or will you yield this to me? And today we're, we're hearing you say, Lord, I want to fill you with more of my love and compassion. And I want to use you. I want to move you to pray. I want to work through you. And Lord, we, we do long to see your purposes in our church, in our neighborhood, in our children. And so Lord, hear our hearts and hear our prayers.